Hello and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, coming to you from two SER studios in Sydney on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Broadcast right around Australia on the Community Radio Network and around the world, wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we take a closer look at the business issues making up the news. This program is made possible by the assistance of the UTS Business School. The importance of investing in teachers and education cannot be stressed enough. Effectively shaping future generations of Australians depends on a system which allows teachers to prioritise students and be fairly remunerated for their work. However, in recent times, teachers, particularly in New South Wales, are doing it pretty tough. Over the last 10 years, policy decisions have increased the scope of teachers' jobs and, in turn, their workload. Pay for teachers has been historically lower than that of other comparable professions and is growing at a slower rate. And with an ageing workforce, increased school enrolments and plummeting new graduate numbers, New South Wales is on target to eventually run out of teachers altogether. So what led to this and what strategies can be used to address this crisis in education? Joining me in the studio is Mahela Gavin, Senior Lecturer in Employment Relations and Human Resource Management at the University of Technology Sydney Business School. Mahela, welcome to Think Business Futures. Thank you, Stefan. Now, it seems self-evident as to how crucial a role teachers play in our society. Just to lay some groundwork, given your expertise, in your opinion, why is it so important for us to invest in our teachers? Mm. The teaching profession is really the backbone of society at the end of the day. And if we think about, um, you know, the skilling of young people and adults within the future, all of that work is done by the work of teachers, essentially. So I think in this conversation and this period of time where we're in at the moment, um, thinking about some of the complexities of teachers' work and workload issues and issues to do with pay as well, these are all really, really important conversations that we need to be having because the work of teachers is so critical in terms of building up those skills and knowledge um, for generations at the moment and also into the future at the same time. We're going to talk about a range of different issues, but you did mention workload. Mm. Let's talk about how teachers' workloads have changed in the last, say, 10 to 20 years. So um, myself and, and other colleagues at UNSW, University of Sydney, Curtin University have been looking at this issue of teacher workload over about the last five to 10 years now. Um, and there's been a range of other sort of academic studies as well looking at teacher workload. But basically what the gist of that research is, is that teachers' work is becoming more complex. They've been experiencing this intensification of work. The range of work activities they've needed to be doing has expanded considerably and that's been because of a range of different things. And this key issue of of workload, we have really compelling data. Um, My research colleagues produced a report just a couple of years ago in 2018, basically saying that teachers as a profession work some of the longest working hours out there. On average, around about 55 hours per week. And that puts them in the category of working very long uh, working hours that the the ABS actually defines that. Um, so that's, you know, hours worked classroom teaching, that's hours worked at home, that's hours worked on school holidays at the same time. It is a real pressing issue that we have seen and, and the, the policy context has really been contributing to some of these 
factors behind why teachers are experiencing this workload in terms of looking at the, the nature of the work and the activities contributing to that workload. It is in areas like administration, you know, data collection that teachers don't necessarily see as being core to their fundamental role of teaching and learning at the end of the day. So, you know, if, if the argument was that we're getting, you know, better student outcomes, better student learning, whilst we're seeing increased workloads and increased pay, look, maybe, but the fact is, is that teachers are saying, look, we're experiencing an increase in workload, longer working hours, but we haven't really seen students' learning outcomes improving. We're seeing teachers leaving the profession in droves. We're seeing increased stress upon teachers at the same time. And, and what's actually comprising that workload is all of these activities that teachers are saying actually hinder their core workers being um, educators within the classroom. Okay, well, let's talk about what changed. I mean, were there other people completing these administrative tasks previously or have these things just been added to the list of jobs that teachers have to do over the over the years throughout this profession? Yeah, look, I think it's a, it's a really great question. It also goes back to the policy environment that teachers are in at the moment. So behind schools, we do have the Department of Education who are responsible for setting a whole range of policies and implementing those policies within schools and also providing support to schools in areas like curriculum, for example. But within this policy environment that schools are in now and this trend of what we've been seeing called uh, devolving a lot of responsibilities down to schools at that local school level, what it basically has meant is that essentially it's up to schools these days to be managing things like finances, things like staffing within their schools. And one of the key policies which was introduced in New South Wales public education 10 years ago, which was called Local Schools, Local Decisions, basically aimed to empower local schools and to empower school principals in particular to be rolling out a lot of these things that the Department of Education used to do. So at the same time as that policy was introduced, we actually saw schools getting a lot less support than what they usually would, but with this sort of expanded range of responsibilities now placed upon school. And that's also been one of those uh, key contributing factors in terms of workload that we just spoke about. Let's sort of give the example. If I'm a teacher these days, can you tell me a bit about what my work life looks like? You mentioned, you know, the increasing workload and, you know, 50 hours plus a week. But are we talking working late into the night? I, I know teachers. And, mm. and one, of the, one of the things that's been a constant for a long time is, is report time. But there, there is just this addition, as, as you mentioned, change mm. with policy, this local schools, local decisions policy that came in 10 years ago. It is all those factors and, and probably more, to be honest. A lot of what we were hearing from teachers in terms of when they were responding to very large surveys and interviews as well was this constant point of, you know, we're just collecting more and more data and this is, you know, meant to be going somewhere. We don't really know where it's going. Mm. We don't really know what it's informing at the end of the day. But we're doing a lot of data collection. We're doing a lot of training, a lot of compliance requirements, which are basically just taking us away from the classroom at the mm. end of the day. And exactly those points you mentioned, Stefan, about, you know, things to do with marking, obviously really, really important. But I think it's all of that stuff that's happening outside of the direct teaching and learning that happens within the classroom that 
is really the problem. And when we speak to teachers and say, well, what would teachers want to be doing more of? They actually want to be focusing on those core things like lesson planning, being able to um, do their preparation before they come to class, being able just to get to know their students on that really interpersonal level as well and understand what their concerns are as, as young people today, which they haven't really had the time or the capacity to do because of all of these other things which sit outside of their core role of being a teacher. Yeah, I can definitely see how this must be frustrating for teachers. Mm. Um, you know, through your research and through the work that you're doing, is there a sense of frustration? Tell us about the sense mm. the sense of frustration among teachers in New South Wales at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're really at this crisis point of teaching at the moment and we've actually been starting to see what are some of the consequences or what are some of the problems happening within the profession because of these issues of workload, intensification of work and that type of thing. And I think even with the, the pandemic that we've had over the last two years have really compounded some of those pressures that teachers have been feeling. And I think one of the clearest examples we see of this is the rate of teachers actually leaving the teaching profession at the moment. And and that's been for you know a range of different reasons. But there's this real crisis in terms of what they're calling the teacher shortage within New South Wales. So we have around about one in three teachers leaving the profession if they've only been there for five years. So we have very young or early career teachers essentially leaving the profession, making that decision to leave the profession at the end of the day. Um, we also have an aging teaching profession at the moment. So a lot of older teachers who are getting to that sort of later stage of their career and making that decision to retire. Uh, We have reports from literally the, the New South Wales Department of Education saying that the state will be running out of teachers in a couple of mm. years time. So it's a very interesting context we have at the moment. We have, you know, pressures of workload. We have pressures of the pandemic at the moment. We have issues to do with teacher salaries that I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. And this is all sort of impacting, you know, what is the perception of of teaching today? Is it an attractive career for young people to be going in? And we've even seen that in terms of the number of students who choose to do a education, school education degree. That's been declining. We've seen the number of students who complete their um, their education certificate also declining. So it's this real compounding of factors, you know, more people retiring out of the profession and fewer people actually choosing to be a teacher at the end of the day. Um, and the point you mentioned, Stefan, about, you know, this this passion that teachers do have for their their job as being a educator, um, also being very much uh, impacted by a lot of those policy factors that I was talking about. Mm. How has the pandemic contributed to teachers leaving the profession? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have seen um, a, a little bit of evidence already of, of teachers actually deciding that they you know, do want to, in fact, leave this entire profession at the end of the day. We have seen issues in terms of uh, vaccination requirements because in, in uh, school education, you know, being vaccinated was also uh, made a, a requirement within that particular profession. But at the same time, I mean, it's been very 
very curious. I mean, we still see, um, you know, a, num- a number of teachers who had to be in isolation as well because of the, the risks that the pandemic has basically mm. posed. And that's brought extra workload pressures to teachers. So coming back to that point of workload, we've had teachers who um, have needed to work across classes, so basically combined classes where you have, you know, 50, 60 students within a class that you're teaching now. Um, we also have situations where schools, particularly in those sort of regional remote areas, just not being able to get casual, casual teachers, for example, or substitute teachers. Um, we've had examples of where pre-service teachers have needed to come in to fill the gaps that we do have. And we've seen that within Australia. We've seen that within um, other countries around the world. Um, we've seen um, delayed starts to the school year, for example, because there just haven't been enough teachers there basically at the same time. So it's been a range of, of really significant pressures. Mm, mm. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to pay. Mm. Uh, tell us about where teachers' salaries sit in comparison to other professions with comparable skills, qualifications and workload, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think Um, With respect to teachers' pay, this is also one of those key compounding factors, which is putting a question mark over how much we actually value teaching within society and the extent to which people actually see teaching as being a good career. Um, So there has been some research um, released uh, just in the couple of of years or so, basically showing that um, teachers' pay on comparison, has basically been declining over the last few years. One of the really interesting, I guess, features about teachers' salaries is that when you first become a teacher, the entry-level rate of pay is pretty good compared to comparable professions. But that rate of pay basically slows and slows over time despite your increase in expertise and, and experience that you do gain. And then there's that there's that question mark of, well, do I still want to be a classroom teacher? Am I then compelled to move into a leadership position, for example? And if you're looking at teacher salaries compared to other sort of professions as well, like you know your lawyers, your doctors, your finance managers, your physios, for example, some of the data there has been showing that um, teachers' pay is, is quite considerably lower compared to those other types of professions that are out there. Um, and this is something which is also quite unique within Australia. Um, Australia um, seems to be paying their teachers lower um, compared to an international standard, which is which is concerning. So again, it's it's one of those key factors which influence um, the thinking of people. You know, do I want to become a teacher? What's the workload like? What is the remuneration that I that I receive? And one of the other really peculiar factors, particularly within New South Wales, is that um, teachers are actually working under a legislated wages cap. And that's something that they've been working under for the last decade. Um, And it's peculiar for the fact that, you know, you might have a a, a wages policy, but it's actually legislated for teachers. So they can't actually be earning higher than 2.5% per year without um, trade-offs, essentially. How much much of this historical sort of disparity between... How much of this is attributed to government policy and what are some of the other reasons as to this 
you know, people have been talking about this for years. Mm. The teachers aren't remunerated in the way that mm. they should be. Why Why is this the case? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, definitely the legislation that we do have in place is, is one of those contributing factors. Um, one of the other big ones as well is uh, once upon a time within New South Wales, teachers used to be able to go to the New South Wales Industrial Relations Commission and argue what were called work value cases where uh, teachers basically go present evidence and show how the complexity of teachers' work has been changing and showing how their workload has been changing and and those types of things. So there was actually a capacity for teachers to be putting forward their case of why they needed to be uh, remunerated higher than what they were at that particular point in time. Um, But with this legislation that was introduced around teachers' wages 10-odd years ago, that actually put a stop to those work value cases at the same time. So um, teachers could no longer have that capacity to present that evidence um, and have, have literally needed to be under this um, this legislation at the moment. And, and that's why we have seen things like independent inquiries, for example, by the commissioned by the, the Teachers Federation in New South Wales, um, actually having to present that evidence to say, look, this is how teachers work has become more complex, more demanding, and this is why they should be remunerated. So we've seen, you know, for example, unions having to take that place of what a tribunal would do or what, you know, government would do to actually recognise and reward teachers appropriately. Mm. Let's talk about unions briefly. Tell us a bit about uh, the Gallup inquiry. The New South Wales Teachers Union ran its own independent inquiry in uh, 2020-21. What did it find and what were some of its recommendations? This was an inquiry which um, was commissioned by the New South Wales Teachers Federation but was conducted independently. Uh, I guess one of the main reasons for why that particular inquiry even came about was because it had been some, um, you know, 15-odd years or 15, 20-odd years since the last independent inquiry had been conducted upon teachers' work and and understanding um, the teaching profession. And between that time, as we've been talking about, teachers' work has changed significantly. We've seen the whole policy environment change. We've seen demands on teachers change. We've seen technology change within schools, for instance. So um, that particular inquiry came about to really take stock of how the nature of teachers' work had been changing over the last couple of decades. Um, And it did um, make some very compelling findings and was making some really interesting recommendations in terms of salaries for teachers, um, putting forward a case that teachers' uh, pay should be basically automatically increased in the range of 10 to 15%. It was making recommendations that we needed to have more more specialist support within schools and increase the number of counsellors to be dealing with Um, the growing complexity of student needs and and concerns at the moment. We needed the promotions and career structure of teachers to be rethought about as well. We also needed teachers to be given an increase in their planning and their preparation time. So the inquiry was saying, okay, we we need two hours per week for teachers to be given that additional time to focus on lesson planning, preparation, et cetera. I mean, that level of preparation time hasn't changed for decades. And then I guess one of the most fundamental things as 
as well is just this question of how do we value teachers better? Okay, so we really need to be ensuring that teachers are, you know, respected within the community to ensure that their views and their professional judgments are really valued at the same time. Mm. This recommendation came out in 2021. Mm -hmm. The government obviously hears the frustrations of the teachers' union and teachers themselves. We aren't really hearing anything about teachers' pay and teachers' workload heading into this election. I know we're sort of being Mm. pretty New South Wales-centric here, but the government's focused on things like aged care and other, other places where we have crisis. How is the government responding to this? Is there anything on the way? Yeah, it's a a really good question. And it is one of those really tricky things because the federal government does have a hand within education, but so does the New South Wales government at the same time. So when things like elections come about, it's always a really big conversation and to say, well, what have they got on the cards in terms of improvements to funding, in terms of improvements to teachers' work and and things like that? I, I guess teachers feel that A lot of the time, governments don't necessarily listen to some of these concerns that teachers are presenting. So we've got really strong evidence now of these, you know, compounding features within the teaching profession, but a very strong voice from teachers saying, okay, we actually need some change here. We need some real policy rethink. And I guess that's been one of the key reasons that the teachers union has needed to step in over the last couple of months to be running um, their own industrial and professional campaign to be addressing some of these queries and recommendations which did come out of their independent inquiry. Look, there have been some recent policy developments that the Department of Education have introduced recently, whether they go the full way to be... Um, addressing some of the concerns of teachers is is still a bit of a question mark at the moment. Tell us a bit more about this industrial action that's on the way and the campaign that the New South Wales Teachers Federation is undertaking and what they might expect or what you might expect some of the outcomes to be. Yeah, so late last year, the Teachers' Salaries and Conditions Award actually expired within New South Wales. So that particular negotiation between the department and the teachers union is still on foot at the moment. And there have been some recent hints that, you know, um, the teachers are looking to to escalate their action, particularly in, in the lead up to the federal election. What was really interesting Um, late last year was the teachers union made the decision to hold a one-day strike of New South Wales state teachers and we saw you know uh, scenes on the media of of teachers really out there you know marching in Sydney um, in protest about a range of the different conditions that we've been talking about today and the teachers union actually defied a no-strike order Mm. that was ruled by the Industrial Relations Commission for them to actually stop and not proceed with this strike action. But the Teachers' Union continued and the Education Minister, um, Sarah Mitchell, had some very, very harsh words criticising the action that the Teachers' Union still decided to take. But it was really interesting and I've been doing quite a bit of research around strategy of unions and particular of teacher unions and, you know, what are the factors that may contribute to um, a teacher union deciding to take that kind of strike action, particularly because, you know, the the parameters for taking legal strike action today are are, are so narrow. Mm. So what are those confluence of factors? And some of my research has really found that, you know, it's it's a combination of 
factors where teachers see that their core industrial and professional conditions of work are are under threat or under some type of crisis, and also where they see that the government is either fairly hostile or kind of, you know, brushing off their, their concerns, or where that is not consultative with teachers, so where that is perceived to be not listening to teachers as well. So I think um, the the action that we saw from state teachers last year was really interesting and, and I think we can really define as being a watershed moment to be putting a spotlight on some of these issues that we've been talking about. And that was the first time that we saw action by teachers in 10 years, of Mm. them taking industrial action in 10 years. And since that time, we've had policies within New South Wales that have been placing this increased pressure on teachers. So I think this was really a tipping point for the union to say, okay, things need to change. You know, we need to be thinking of about teachers' work a lot more critically. We need to take stock of the evidence we've seen in terms of teaching um, teachers leaving the profession and actually need to be uh, making some change, some fundamental change at that system level. Mm, Absolutely. We'll start winding up and we'll talk about how many of the issues that we've talked about can be addressed. Do you think this type of industrial action uh, and if it continues, you, you mentioned it being a tipping point, but what do you think needs to be added to this in order for concrete change to be made? I guess with industrial action, it is one of those really challenging things. And it's it's that question of, you know, do you have the support of parents and the community and, and, and all of that at the same time? I think through the pandemic, we've really seen um, parents have been sy- sympathetic and understanding of the pressures that teachers are really facing. I do think then that there needs to be changes at a policy level to the the kind of struggles that we've been talking about today for teachers. And, and the evidence is is quite clear in terms of what change teachers do want to be seeing. So, for example, um, teachers have reported that they do want to be seeing more time to be collaborating with their colleagues, uh, more time to be getting to know their students on that sort of interpersonal basis, more time to be engaging in things like lesson preparation, those things that are really fundamental to the core of teaching. Having a stronger focus on on reducing some of that administrative burden, that sort of paperwork that's basically seen to just interrupt um, the core focus of teachers as educators. And also things like, you know, we need to be introducing policies to think about how do you make teaching a more attractive profession? How are we going to be solving the teacher shortage, for example, uh, what are we doing in terms of teachers' pay? So there's this real question mark over the salaries cap at the moment. Um, is there some way that we can fundamentally rethink, you know, how much we actually pay teachers and as well, and, and what that sort of pay scale looks like at the end of the day? Absolutely. Do you think that people have a general understanding of how crucial teachers are, and mm. in terms of finding purpose in their profession, how much purpose there can be for a teacher? To some extent, I think at the end of the day, the public does value teachers, but there needs to be more of that essentially. And I think the independent inquiry that we just saw quite recently um, released had that tagline of, of valuing the teaching profession. There, there does need to be a stronger communication around you know, what is the work that teachers do at the end of the day? That communication that the work that they do is so fundamental for educating our young people and our future generations as well. And really to start that narrative around this is really the positive work that teachers do, not just for 
um, students within the classroom, but in the community more broadly. Um, and that's why we need to be changing the, the policy narrative around what teachers do. Um, and that's why I need to be thinking a lot more differently around how can we support teachers in the really important work that they do, making sure that they're being remunerated uh, fairly and appropriately and making sure that they can get on with that core work of teaching and learning at the end of the day, which is really at the heart of what uh, teachers do as educators. Absolutely. It is such a fundamental profession and contributes you know, to our society in, in ways beyond what we could imagine a lot of the time. Uh, and as you mentioned, there is a crisis. Teachers aren't being paid enough. The workload is high and there, there will be a shortage. So these are all really, really important things to talk about, really important things for the public to understand. And let's hope we can move forward to a better place. That's all we've got time for. Mahela, thank you so much for joining me here on Think Business Futures. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Think Business Futures. Thank you to my guest, Mahela Gavin. You can listen and share this chat wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to get Think Business Futures in your feed each week. And please support the show by leaving a review. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, and I'll see you again somewhere in the world of business next week.